Hello and welcome to Michigan and Other Mayhem, the show about Michigan, murder, mysteries, histories, and other mayhem from around the world. Your hosts are Allie and Jen. Okay, Jen, let's do this thing. Good morning. Allie. How are you? Super. Nice. And today's supposed to be a beautiful day, so you got that going for you. I didn't even know that. You know, this week it's been like a when it rains, it's like a monsoon for a few seconds. Mm-hmm. And so I stopped watching the weather. Like, okay, well, whatever. The other, the other night we had a really big thunderstorm and you have other like, are you going to be okay? I'm like, I love storms. I'm going to sleep like a baby. Shake the shit out of this house. I like it. <laughs> now that you tell me it's going to be nice, I'm going to go do all my shopping. Oh, that's what actually we're going to do after this. We're going to go shopping. There is this place I love. It is in Livonia, and it's called <clears throat> the Town Peddler. And it looks like maybe it was like uh, maybe like an old Kmart or something at one point, or maybe like an old Kroger or something. And when you go in the store to the right, the right half of the store are all crafts products that people made. And if you go to the left, everything on the left is stuff like um, you would find like at a garage sale. And there's these little, they're just little booths throughout the whole building. And you just pick up anything that you want to buy and you take it to the front and they can tell from the tag which booth it came from, like which owner who, you know, who gets the money. I love that. That's place. cool. I was like, will you take me there? Cause I like to go there in the wintertime too. And you know, I just want to walk around and I would freeze to death if I left the house. We'll just go walk around the town peddler. Cause it's really big and it's got a lot of stuff to look at. That's where we got our Legos and stuff. when we were looking for Legos at one point. I'm going to have to go one time. Yeah. I would love to go with you if you want to go. So this week, I stumbled upon this thing in the Detroit News, and it's a whole section they have called Weird News. Have you ever seen it? No, but I would love to. I love it. Oh, dude. (laughs) Like the first uh, article that came up was a guy that got bit by an alligator in the middle of the night because he went out and thought, tried to pet it, thought it was a dog. (laughs) <laughs> was alcohol involved <laughs> i i would think i would guess but you know, maybe it was really dark i'm gonna give the guy a thing could have been dark <laughs> and then i read this one so uh man found a brain this was in september 2020 man found a brain along lake michigan beach it was wrapped in tin foil what at Samuel Myers Park and the medical examiner like he it was all wrapped with like a pink rubber band and the guy was curious so he opened it it was a brain then they gave you know called the police and the medical examiner determined it wasn't human but they couldn't determine what animal it came from and what was like that's strange that's like strange. holy shit you get you're walking the beach but what really got me (laughs) was that they had a picture of the brain but they blurred out the brain what so just a blurry picture yeah yeah a picture with a big blob on it (laughs) yeah and so i'm thinking to myself i've seen some shit on it i'm not on facebook or anything or tiktok some shit on instagram and things like and other things in the news, like yeah. in the articles we 
watch or TV shows and you're going to blur out a brain? I know. Like I've seen whole body parts. I know. I'm so confused. Like in the, you know, when I watched the Johnny Depp case, they're actually showing like when his finger got severed off and shit. Like they blur that shit out on the TV, but you're going to blur out a brain. But yeah, so now I'm going to be coming to you with like weird news. I'm down always. It doesn't look like they've updated. You know, I think this like ended in. Like, I don't think they've updated it since 2020, but okay. maybe it was my sorting. I don't know, but I'll okay. be coming to you with weird shit. Okay. I'm going to tell you today about this book I read about a true crime from 1948, a double murder. And it has like ongoing stuff that keeps happening, which caused me to then rent the Disney or Discovery Plus. I keep saying Disney, the Discovery Plus. And that Discovery Plus is a gold mine. Of Michigan murders, a gold mine. Okay. That's crazy. I am a gold mine. Yep, I love it. So um, I do want to tell you today about that double murder, and it will segue into now I have Discovery Plus. But I, I want to say <laughs> full disclosure. With, okay, so other true crime books I've read, the crime has happened. The person looks into it, gathers all the information they can, puts it in this book. For this book, he gets contacted. And then he tells like the ongoing story of what happened for like the next 10 years with this case. And it's not just a true crime book, but it is like there were whole chapters that had nothing to do with this crime in this book. It was like part true crime, part autobiography. And I must say, I wasn't quite ready for that. I'm not downing it. I'm just saying I wasn't ready. And I've never read one that wasn't this happened. And here's the story. Well, that's kind of smart of him. Yeah. No, but about his autobiography so two for mix one. it in yeah well i'm coming to you today with three updates on the Roden family the amazon review killer and pauline randall remind me you what happened with the, yeah you can go first but um oh. remind me what happened with the Roden family that is where oh so seven called, years ago seven i don't years, know why okay. you can't yeah. remember that I was shocked when I found out it had been seven years. Like, for yeah. God's sakes. That is a long time. So, this happened in Pike County. This is where the eight Roden family members. Well, say, Ohio, right? Not Michigan. Right. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Ohio. Eight Roden family members were murdered across multiple locations. It was four homes. On April 22nd, 2016, there was six adults and one teenager age 16 that were murdered. And then in November... And they were murdered by the other family, right? Over custody? Yeah, November 2018... The f- four Wagner family members. Wagner. I couldn't remember. I want to call them the Coleman's for some reason. Uh, okay, they're Wagner's. All right, that's why I kept saying yeah. like the other family because I I wanted to call them Coleman and I wasn't sure if it was right <laughs> and it was not right. <laughs> yeah, it was the mother, the father, and the two sons. And at some point, the two grandmas got pulled into it, but then I think they all realized they didn't have anything to do with it. Okay. And then one of those family members being Edward Jake Wagner. He was the ex-boyfriend of one of the victims who they had a child together at the time 
of the murder that it was a daughter three years old and they were in a dispute over custody do you know who the daughter did go to after the murders I've, i've been wondering that did she go to the wagner side of the family or to the rodent side in all of my in all of my um reading there's nothing no one ever talks about the child the only time you hear about this child is if you would read articles you know at the beginning explaining what the murder was okay because i'm wondering like did they get what they wanted in the end you know what i mean well they're all in jail so they didn't yeah like their grandmas are out though i don't know I don't, okay. I can't okay. see, I can't see somebody giving somebody to an 80 year old, but God, I hope not. Yeah. Um, all right. Well with that, I'll just roll into that one being okay, my sorry. first one. <laughs> no, that's fine. All right. All right. I don't care. Yeah. So the road and so it's known as the Roden family slaughter or the Pike County massacre. You can look it up either way. Mm-hmm. So Edward Jake Wagner so he's the one that, you know, was the ex-boyfriend. He actually, uh, I had updated you guys. He had pled guilty, admitting to killing five of the victims. Okay. And he did that to avoid uh, the death sentence because Ohio has the death sentence. Yeah. And along with that, his mother, Angela Wagner, also had pled guilty to help planning the murders to avoid the death sentence. But with their plea deals, they have to testify against the other son and father. And so this is where it all gets confusing. Okay. Like read articles of updates because both of their names are George. Oh yeah. Dad's known as Billy, but in articles, you know, They'll write it in the news and as George. Well, which freaking George are you talking about? Oh yeah, that makes so sense. it took me a little bit, but I got I have it all straight. And okay. so the the new update is George, the son, okay, lawyer, tried to block Jake from testifying at his tri- upcoming trial because George, the son George and the father George or Billy they pled not guilty okay so it's those two pled not guilty and the mom and Jake said that they would did they who said they would testify against the other ones it was the dad and the the Jake oh okay are testifying not pled not guilty sorry Hello? You just cut out. Are you there? Oh, now you're there. Okay, yeah. That was weird. Yeah, right? So where did I leave off for everyone? Okay, so, so mom So mom and Jake are going to yep, testify they, against the two Georges. Yep. Okay. So George, the son's lawyer, you know, said, hey, you know, we can't have Jake testifying against him because they said he would be going off a script to save himself from the death penalty and they wouldn't be able to cross-examine him like they would anyone else. Of course, that was denied. Okay. 
moving on on that. And his, George's trial supposed to start around August 29th. Thank God. Oh, finally. Wow. Okay. And then um, George Billy, the father, who also pled not guilty, his trial is supposed to start August 31st. Okay. So they're, yeah, they're just about to go on trial now. Okay, good. Then we'll, well know, you know sure what happens. Well, hopefully soon. Well, I think like Jesus Christ, you just want it over with. For God's sake, seven years, it's the most expensive investigation and trial in like Ohio's history. I will believe it. Like you said, it involves multiple homes. They went to different homes and killed eight people. And was it something like two or three homes, I think? Four. Four. Four for the murders. Then you, I think they did the grandma's house, the two grandma's houses, I think, and then the The Wagner's house. Yeah. I I don't know if they all lived together, the Wagner's. Okay. I'm not sure, but yeah, it was big. So maybe I'll have something, you know, to say. I would love to know what the conclusion is to that one. Well, you know, not everything is, not all cases, trials are live streamed. If this thing's live streamed, it's going to be like me and the Johnny Depp case. I'm going to just have everything rolling. Like, (laughs) don't even call me. I'm busy. Right. Probably in the evenings, I am, you know, trying to catch up. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) Like, for fuck's sake, the dude that, your who had the child, you know, with the girl, his family, the girl and the family that you murdered, and your freaking for God's sake, Billy, your wife, she's gonna testify against you. I know it's over. Family, I'm like, whatever you thought was gonna happen, you're fucking wrong. And look what's happening. You've lost everything. The kid, your freedom, every fucking you, thing. You took the, their life and you gave it away for your freedom. Hope you like it. Possibly your the, death if you get the death penalty, because it's on the table for the for the right. two Georges, right? Oh, yeah, it is. And yeah. so that's what I was thinking. Like, these other two, they don't want to die. But the two Georges, they just, they want to die. And you're not going to get the death penalty if you plead out. True. True. They're not going to actually give it to you. Yeah. The, you have to get the death penalty from a jury. Oh, uh, yeah. So maybe that's why they're doing it. Okay. I have no idea. But yeah. Jesus Christ, seven years, just end it and be done with it. True. All right. My next one is the Amazon review killer. This was Todd Kohlhep. K-O-H-L-E or K-O-H-L-H-E-P-P. Yeah. He's the one that at age 15, he abducted and raped a girl at gunpoint in temp t-e-m-p-e arizona tempe tempe arizona and he was sentenced to 15 years at the time and he was released in 2001 at the age of 30 and then he went on to kill seven people and got named the Amazon review killer because he would review the items he used in his killings on Amazon. Yes. Isn't that the one that, oh, oh, sorry about the yawn. Isn't that the guy that, um, 
at one point he has a woman in a storage like a cargo container and killed her either her her partner like her husband or her boyfriend was that the guy I don't think so okay and I'm going to tell you that I don't remember how he got caught okay you know what I'll mark that right here on my piece of paper real quick people no problem what, how do you get caught? How do you get caught? <laughs> <laughs> and then I will update you next week when I update you on other things. I will figure that out and tell you. Sweet. I know that he was charged with seven counts of murder, two counts of kidnapping, and one count of sexual assault. He didn't have a trial. He actually ended up pleading guilty on May 26, 2017. And he got seven consecutive life sentences without parole. Jesus Christ. And in a news article from allthatisinteresting.com, they said his mother asked Todd how many others, and he said, you don't have enough fingers. Whoa. You think he's just trying to be a tough guy like some of them are? I don't know. I read a little bit about him. He's, you know, prior to his abducting the girl at age 15, he had a fucked up, uh, fucked up childhood. That's true. He probably did kill somebody else. You know what I mean? And there was, um, I was watching YouTube and I can't remember who, like what channel it was, but they were talking about the death sentence. And the, I thought this was interesting. Would you, what did he say? Do you, would you believe, would, would you agree with the uh, death sentence, like having the death sentence, if the person was, um, you know, murdered, cold-blooded murdered someone, DNA proof, would you then be, for the death penalty that was like the whole video you know talking to people about that i thought that was an interesting thing like if you knew for sure yeah or like you had it on video of them doing it yeah honestly i do go back and forth for the death penalty one of the reasons why is i think our justice system can be pretty corrupt so there's times that people have been found guilty of murder that weren't but if we do, you know, have like DNA evidence or video proof, yeah, I do. I, I do support that, you know, more. Yeah, that's what I, and that's how I lean. But it was very interesting. I wish I would have wrote down. But it was a good one. So I will get back to you on like, how did that dude get caught? Because I can't remember at the moment how okay. he ended up getting caught. Oh. Um, and then I have Pauline Randall. So she was the age 51 who was killed by gunshot uh, rifle by her nine-year-old son. Oh, yeah. So I learned this. Mm -hmm. According to Michigan law, anyone under the age of 10 is considered incapacitated and cannot be brought to justice. Such children usually do not have sufficient intelligence intellectual or emotional abilities to think like adults. The only thing with that 
is that the prosecutor does have discretion with this when it comes to violent crimes, which this one was, obviously. So there's not much on this because it's, of course, it's a child. But I did find out that in May 2019, when it happened, the judge sentenced or sent the child to the juvenile correction facility and then ordered a psych exam. Okay. And during that time, the Detroit News reported that the sister, so his sister stated, you know, her brother didn't know what he did because he was actually asking where his mom was. Okay. And then in September, the only other update I have on that is that September 2019, and this is literally all I got. Okay. It just said charges were dismissed. Okay. Wow. I think that's the kid that had shot. Okay. Yeah. This was the kid. This was the family who adopted a kid. So they adopted this son. And he had a really rough upbringing. The mother was trying to get him, you know, help. She had even made the statement that she thought that, you know, he could be a murderer. Like he could be a a serial killer, like made these comments. Like he was really, you know, troubled. And they were trying to get him help. And then... I I think they I, if I remember right it wasn't like he like he's a young kid like he actually planned this yeah with accident that happened at the time it wasn't like he I, I I don't remember it being like oh he really like this nine year old was smart enough to think like I'm gonna take this guy I'm gonna shoot my mom. No, but isn't he the same kid? I thought I remember he's the one that was also like shooting the neighbor with the BB gun and stuff, wasn't he? Yeah, he might have been. Yeah. Ah, well, I was like, wow. Okay, so that's the conclusion to that one. All right. Um, right, I, and then next like, week. All we could do is, I'm like, well, at this point, all we can do is hold on and see what happens to him. You know what I mean? Right, right. Yeah. Well, you don't know his name, so you'll never know that we probably might have already talked about it. Yeah, no, it'll be we one of those things when if talk- something does happen, they'll be like, expunged from his record was the time he killed his mother at nine years old or you know right and then next week i'm going to talk about albert weathers he's that pastor that um murdered allegedly i guess they allegedly murdered the transgender kelly okay oh man i watched the preliminary hearing and mm, I, it was the best one ever. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, I, I actually remember that one, so I'm very curious to hear what happened. Yeah. All yeah. right, go with you. What do you got? Okay, I've got a double homicide from 1948. And it. I, I read this book called Mary Jane's Ghost. The author's Ted Gregory, copyright 2017. So I'm like in the library looking at it. I'm like, okay, this is good. That's how I got it was from the library. I also <clears throat> read up on the um, New York Daily News, maryjanereed.com hauntedrockford.com and i also watched the the travel.com discovery plus so here we go mary jane reed was 17 years old in june of 1948 she lived in oregon illinois it's a small town of about 3,000 people 
Mary Jane was described as being a beautiful butterfly by her mom. She helped her mother with her other children because her mom had really bad arthritis. And her parents, Ruth and Clifford, were middle class. Mary Jane quit school during her sophomore year of high school to bring home extra income to the family. Although it does also show that she has a certificate from a Bible college. So she some completed the Bible college at some point. Uh, by 1948, Mary Jane's working as a telephone operator, which is considered like a glamorous job at the time. And she bought herself this beautiful dress to attend her brother's upcoming wedding. She has an older brother and he's about to get married. And the night of June 24th, 1948, Mary Jane Reed went on a first date with a Navy veteran who'd been honorably discharged after serving in World War II. And his name was Stanley Scridla, and he was 28 years old, and he was from Rockford, Illinois. And Stanley had grown up in Rockford, and he was currently working as a lineman. And he'd been a lineman for about two years with the Illinois Bell Com um, Telephone Company. Stanley lived in, with his widowed mother and was one of her five children. So on the night of the 24th, Mary Jane had worked from about 6 p.m. until about 10 p.m., and she met with Stanley afterwards. And they'd met through their jobs at the telephone company, and together they'd gone to two caverns, ending at the Steinhouse or the Stenhouse Restaurant and Tavern. Then, in Stanley's car, they headed to Country Farm, County Farm Road, which was about 11:30 p.m. And County Farm Road was considered to be like a lovers' lane area, where young people could make out. And I just <laughs> want to say the last road that Poppy lived on before she moved, my sister moved out of state was also a county farm road. So I bet you there's like a million county farm roads out there. Yeah. Yeah. So the <laughs> following morning at 6 a.m., Stanley's body was found on county farm road. He was in a ditch with five bullet wounds. One had hit Stanley in the chest, and the other four were like his lower abdomen and pelvic area. His car and Mary Jane were missing. His car would later be found that day on White Pines Road, White Pines road which is across from the Stenhouse Restaurant and Tavern. His wallet and keys would forever remain missing. Now, newspaper clippings from that era talk about hunting for a missing girl, like hunt for a missing girl, blah, blah, blah. And the part that just irritated the fucking piss out of me because it was a good portion of every fucking news article in the era was that they'd say, well, she was beautiful and she had a lot of admirers and she liked the date. So basically, it could be anybody, you know, it could be anybody like she was a pretty girl who dated. It could be anybody who kidnapped her. And killed her date. It could be like a jealous spouse. It could be a vengeful lover. Just anybody. Anybody. <laughs> and I was just like, Jesus Christ. Right. <laughs> it was like Fuck. a third of every article was like, girl missing. Who could it be? Anybody. Anybody. Because <gasps> she was pretty Jesus. much a day. Like, calm the fuck down, bro. <laughs> right. All right. Yeah. So five days after Stanley's dead bodies found, so was Mary Jane's. She'd been found in a ditch beside a different road, and she had these reeds covering her body. And what happened, there was a truck driver from a nearby silica plant, and he pulled over because it was a narrow road to let a truck pass. And, you know, kind of like the Lake House Road. And when mm -hmm. he did that, he smelled decay, and he started to look like, what was it? He found Mary Jane. She'd been stripped down to her bra and underwear. Mary Jane was face down, and she'd been shot once at the base of the skull. And they found other gunshot wounds in her back. And Mary Jane's mother request that she be buried in the dress that she bought brought for her older brother's wedding right she's like you know she brought she bought this beautiful dress recently please you know put her in it their murders go cold it remains unsolved so in the early 2000s journalist ted gregory was contacted by by letter um by this guy named mike arians and mike was hoping that ted would look into the murders of stanley and mary jane 
He, Mike sent Ted copies of the newspaper clippings that had come out during the time of the murder and explained that he thought he knew who the murderer was and he thinks there's been a cover up. So, you know, Ted is intrigued. That's when he's like, okay. So Mike starts to tell him that he became involved in the murder case of Mary Jane and Stanley when he moved to the area and someone had told him the story. He was automatically like intrigued. He becomes the mayor. He spends years as a lawyer. And so, you know, he's familiar with gathering information, looking for clues. And he unknowingly buys the Sten house, which was the last place that they were seen. And he didn't know it at the time because it had been renamed. And he himself renamed it the Roadhouse. And Mike believes that the last place that Mary Jane and Stanley were seen, the Sten house, which is now called the Roadhouse, may be haunted by Mary Jane's ghost. So Mike had met up with Warren Reed, and that's Mary Jane's only surviving sibling. And at the same meeting, Jerry Brooks showed up, Jerry Brooks. Jerry was the local county sheriff from 1970 to 1990. And the double homicide would have been part of his jurisdiction. So according to Mike, they're talking about the case with Jerry, the former sheriff. And Jerry keeps pushing the idea that two strangers from out of town probably committed the murders and then hopped the train you know, to, on the nearby tracks and they escaped. Jerry believed that it could have been like due to like gambling debts that Stanley may have had because Stanley, the rumor is he liked to gamble a little bit. Maybe it was jealousy because, you know, Mary Jane was beautiful and liked to date. Maybe it was some type of payback. Yeah. Well, then Warren, Mary Jane's brother, speaks up and says, well, you know, it could also have been done by one person. And Mike's like, yeah, it could have been done by one person. And all of a sudden, Jerry gets really angry. He stands up and just straight up leaves the building, not just the meeting, like straight up leaves the building. And that's when Mike decides, like, I'm really going to look into this. He's like, why would this sheriff have such a strong reaction? Right. Right. So one possibility is that the local there was a local sheriff that was involved in Stanley and Mary Jane's death. So the night of the murder, the couple had gone to more than one tavern, right? They arrived first at Alexander's Log Cabin Inn around 1030 that night. Vince Vargo, Varco, V-A-R-C-O, was married to, was a married Ogle County Deputy Sheriff. And he used to date Mary Jane. And mm -hmm. he gave witness testimony that he saw Mary Jane and Stanley at Alexander's Log Cabin. And Vince had been recently dating Mary Jane. And she had broken off their relationship. And Vince, who was considered a bully in town, the day before the um, she that they you know Stanley dies and their tech, the day before he had come to Mary Jane's house, Vince quote slapped her around end quote because Mary Jane didn't want to go out with him anymore. So oh. he, he slaps her around. The next day he sees her at the at a bar with another man, and it's believed while they're at Alexander's log cabin and that Vince demanded Mary Lou leave with him. Like, don't leave with him, leave with me. And while they're arguing though, she slaps his face and then she leaves with Stanley. Like the big fuck you, boom, face slap. I'm yeah. yeah. They then go to the Sten house for a drink and then they go to Lover's Lane. That's why they go to two taverns that night. So Mike um, told Ted that the morning of the murders, Vince Varco arrives at work without his service revolver. He's a sheriff, no service revolver, or deputy, no service revolver. And it was a 32 caliber gun. And a 32 caliber gun is what was used to kill Mary Jane. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And Mike believes that due to Vince being part of the police force, that his crime was covered up. And I want to say for himself, Vince Varco died in the 1980s. Okay, so he's not here to defend or deny, right? So Ted does receive permission from the current sheriff to review the criminal file. 
However, like Mike and Ted show up to the reception desk and they get turned away. And, you know, and Ted's like, okay, why am I being turned away? And she's like, oh, it's an ongoing investigation. Now, this is the 2000s and they were killed in 1948. What? Yeah. So Ted was like, what? So he goes back later without Mike and he's like, um, I'm a journalist and I'm applying for the Freedom of Information Act. You know, I'd like to be able to look at this document. And the lady's like, oh, okay. So she shows it to him. And there's like, it's, if those documents were a human body, they would be a skeleton. Like there's just not much there. But Vince Barco is in the reports. The investigator of the double murder uh, in 1948 marks him as uncooperative. Vince claimed that he sold his service revolver, his <laughs> deputy revolver at the tavern the night of the murders. That's why he doesn't have it because he sold it that night. Also couldn't have been him. He gave it to somebody that night. You know what I mean? Hmm. Yeah. So former. Yeah. Sheriff, yeah. Former Sheriff Jerry Brooks, the one that storms out earlier, he said that he was friends with Vince Barco and that Vince had asked him to look into the double murders in the 1960s because so many people thought he was guilty. And Jerry's personal hypothesis is that someone was after Vince and accidentally killed Stanley instead. Jerry would not look. Uh, and then Jerry has his own files from when he was uh, you know, looking into stuff. And Jerry will not let Ted look at his files on the murder. And later on, when Ted explains Jerry's files, he's like, basically, it's 10 times bigger than the police file, like all his evidence and shit. Yeah. And remember, he's a former deputy, so he might have taken stuff out, right? Mm -hmm. So now, Mike, with the blessing of Mary Jane's brother, Warren, and a living relative of Stanley, wanted Mary Jane's body to be exhumed. Okay, because there's questions about whether she'd been shot in the head or the chest the caliber of the bullets, and if she'd truly been buried there. Like, for some reason, there's a rumor that she's not even buried there. So Mike agrees to cover the entire cost of the exhumation, and the judge agrees. So when the casket's open, it's found that they had buried Mary Jane in her bra and panties. They never put her in her dress. They took her dress and her shoes and, her new and a newspaper that had been printed just before her death, and they just put it on top of her. I was like, you fucking bastards. You couldn't even put her in her fucking dress. You're terrible. And so a, friend, a forensic examination was conducted on her body. They did a rape kit. Her underwear and samples from the exa um, examination were sent off for testing. Mary Jane was reburied with some Bibles from her brother that had some, you know, um, lines written it from her brother and from Mike and one other person. And she's reburied. Three months later, the local police department all of a sudden comes out with their findings. They're like, oh, yeah, on the, we, we, we decided now we're ready to tell you this is what we found. They believe that two brothers, Lloyd and Perry DeShazo, were responsible for the murders of Stanley and Mary Jane. They reached this conclusion after talking to Captain Wilkerson and other witnesses whose names were blacked out of the official report. So you don't even know who they talked to, right? Mm -hmm. to, quote the book, to quote the book Mary Jane's Ghost, Captain Wilkerson said, quote, we found almost nothing in the investigation that would support the local opinion that Vince Farco is involved, end quote. Mm -hmm. uh-huh captain wilkerson then tried to suggest that it was mary jane who was seen hitting vince outside her home the day she was murdered like oh no he didn't slap her around that day she was slapping him around that's what it was yeah but mary jane's brother warren was like i might have been a kid but i was there so the captain did admit to discrepancies he does admit in this policing he does admit it to, to discrepancies in police reports that include references here are some of the mistakes to different guns as the murder weapons they had issues over which wounds the victims suffered. They were different accounts. The number what of shell casings at the scene. Uh-huh. 
missed opportunities to interview key witnesses, and they threw out they interviewed people and threw out their notes. Captain Wilkinson <laughs> does admit, and he's quoted as saying, "Quote: This investigation, in my opinion, was corrupt and mishandled from the start." End quote. So months after Mary Jane's been exhumed. Some of her bones are sent off to be investigated, and you will not fucking believe this. I almost fell out of my goddamn chair. The head that had been in Jerry, Mary Jane's coffin did not match the body. What? So, yeah, according to the report, the skull and its first vertebrae, C1, did not match the rest of the sample of the neck that was C2 to C7. The skull is not Mary Jane's. Somebody else's skull was in Mary Jane's casket. What the fuck? Yeah. The skull itself came from a female above the age of 14, and they had a shot wound to the left side of their face. And it's unknown to whose skull it is, and it's also unknown where is Mary Jane's skull. About three-fourths away through the book, right? That's where we are now. I find out that Mike had contacted the show Dead Files. It's a TV show that pairs an investigator, a former police um, investigator, with a psychic. And I, that's why I buy the, the subscription Discovery Plus, and I'm in on it now. So the show, <laughs> so on the show, Bill Vilnot, he's chosen to tell the story of what happened in the double murder. And he says a couple of things on Dead Files that, that was kind of new to me. So he said, when the couple left the Sten House, the second um, restaurant, they were followed by two large men in another car. He also explained that... Um, Stanley's body was found with uh, also chest. Um, he was, I knew he shot in the abdomen and the groin, but they said it was also shot in the arm and the back. And I was like, oh, okay, I didn't know that. So then Bill says there's two possible suspects the sheriff, which they don't call him Vince Barco in the show, maybe because they're worried his family is going to um, sue. They call right. him Williard Jiggs Burright, but it's really Vince Barco. And then the two DeShazo brothers, and instead of calling them Perry and Lloyd, they call them Harry and Perry. I don't know why. So That's weird. He says the two mystery men, here's one of the ideas, the two mystery men, they follow the couple's car to Lover's Lane to rob them, but things go sideways and Perry shoots, shoots them both. The investigator does say, okay, well, why would cops in the town provide a cover up for these two brothers if that's what happened? And that just remains open. And then he says, all right, the second possible suspect is a sheriff. And they leave it open. So at the end of the show, the psychic leaves, believes that Vince Barco has something to do with the couple's death. Maybe even like he didn't pull the trigger, but maybe he directed other people to do it. And the investigator believes it was the two brothers. So the psychic believed that two men hurt Mary Jane and it was the cop who killed her. And in the show, yeah, they refer to him as Jigs. So Mike then works to have Stanley exhumed, right? Like if that's what's up with mary jane what's up with stanley they want to see if mary jane's skull was maybe in his casket maybe they put her head in there maybe something else can be found no skull but they do find two bullets that had been in his body and only one was forensically available to be looked at and it was not a 32 caliber so that was one of the things that the police report has wrong so lastly very lastly here we go enter george seibel so george had retired from chicago's violent crime department and he was a detective And he runs a cold case program through the local community college. And they said, hey, George, why don't you look into this? And he's like, all right, so here are my thoughts. So he thinks, A, probably not a murder gone wrong. So most robbers, they want to grab your shit and go. They usually don't murder you and then kidnap somebody. Like that's a lot of steps to take past robbery, right? Two, George also thinks that Mary Jane's investigation was so corrupt 
that someone in power must have some way been involved, right? Stanley was murdered on the spot, but they kidnap Mary Jane and they steal a car and they take her away. And so George thinks the murder is all about Mary Jane, maybe something she knew. And I do want to say at one point they were trying to float the idea that maybe Vince Varco was sex trafficking young girls or forcing them into do stuff for people in the community. And that that was <laughs> Mary Jane was one of those people. And that when she started to refuse to do that, she was and said, you know, I'll tell everybody what you guys are doing, that they had her killed. That's an idea that they're floating out there. So some of the corruption issues were the fact that her autopsy was not performed. No autopsy was performed on Mary Jane. The medical examiner never signed her death certificate. Somebody typed his name in. And the name uh -huh. of the register that filled in the death certificate? Mm -hmm. Martha Varco, Vince Varco's wife. No way. Yeah. So in the end, I don't think we'll ever know what actually happened to Stanley and Mary Jane. Um, we know for sure it, the case was not properly worked and at least one person got away with murder. Right. Yeah. Wow, that was interesting. That had some twists and turns, and I wasn't ready for the uh, the skull, the head not being Mary Jane. Wrong head. What the fuck? That is such a what the fuck moment. I was yeah. not ready for that. <sighs> oh, but do you want to know next week? I'm going to go over. I'm going to tell you the story of, um, and we have the conclusion and sentencing of a man named um, Elisari, who is killed in a hatchet murder by his wife's lover here in Michigan. And I had talked about it ooh, a couple years ago. I'm going to go back over what I said last time, and then I'm going to give you all the juicy updates. And, before, and by juicy, I mean that bitch gets caught. Like, she tried hard not to get caught, but to modern technology is a bitch, honey. That's how we like it. That's how I love caught. it. To me, that's the best one, when somebody really thinks they're going to get away with it, and they don't. And Honestly, it's like, bam, we got yeah. you. Seriously, it's like dessert to me. <laughs> I like to think that there's some justice in this world. You know what I mean? And every now and then, somebody gets it. <laughs> right. Yeah. All right, Jen. Until next week. Until next week. I'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye.